Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Dr. Carl, after a, after, <laughs> we would speak to Dr. Carl every week and then the world went completely, completely mad and we've decided, you know what, it's time to actually make things a little bit more normal again. Dr. Carl, thank you for joining us. He's our science communicator from Australia. How are you? It's been too long. Uh, it was so peachy keen. The rain is coming. We've got storms. There's a lovely cloud storm coming straight at me right now. And luckily, I'm inside, so I'm very happy. Oh, that is uh, that is the place to be. And uh, let's just talk about the fact that Australia has a quarter of the world's lithium and cobalt, but actually sells most of it as dirt. Tell me about the story. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll start off by asking you a question without mm-hmm. notice. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Where is the world's biggest explosives factory? Where is the world's biggest explosives factory? And the answer is just a few kilometres from where I live. Oh. In Australia. Oh, ah. So do you walk around with a hard hat? Uh, Not allowed (laughs) in there. But the, the thing is that Australia is better than any other country in the whole world at digging up dirt and selling it overseas. We have got the technology down pat. We have got the world's biggest explosives factory. We know how to put it in the ground. We know how to break up the dirt, put in trucks, put in ships and sell overseas and do no processing. It's oh, a very God. sad story. When I was a kid, not when I was a kid, but at the beginning of my career, I worked at the steelworks mm-hmm. in Wollongong, in Port Kembla. And at one stage, blast furnace number five held the world record for making more steel in one 24-hour window than anyone any other blast furnace in the entire known universe, and now we don't make enough steel. So, so why is that? Furnace. So things are, be- are being beneficiated effectively, value added outside of Australia. Doesn't I would have thought Australia would, given its level of sophistication in terms of pretty much everything, that uh, that beneficiation would have taken place there. And, and, and of course, the fact is that then you don't need to transport so much extra uh, material and, as you say, dirt to other parts of the world to process in order just to bring it back as a product. Yeah. You, you use the word beneficiation, which comes from the Latin, bene, meaning good. So you're doing good to the dirt. But we have got so much dirt and such a low population that we've gone down a pathway for various reasons where we have become the lucky country. So Australia is a lucky country who, which is run by people who don't appreciate it for what it is. And we basically are able to survive by digging up dirt, putting it on a ship, and selling it to somebody. And then uh, we sell so much dirt that the cost of balance, you know, which goes bad when we buy back the car, the refrigerator, mm, the mm. TV, we don't make anything. We can't even make cars. Do you know that Australia can't even make white paper anymore? We have to get it from China. We can't but why is that? Is that, is that, is that, is that, it's certainly not capability, you know, and, and, uh, professionalism. Is it, has it been a choice? Um, Australia is a lucky country which is run by people who are incompetent and benefit from its luck and don't plan for the future. <laughs> so we're, Australia has Tell been denying really climate mm-hmm. change for the right. last 20 years, ah. you know? And the insurance companies, sorry, so, so the point is that Australia has one quarter of the world's lithium, and one quarter of the world's cobalt, and we do nothing with it except sort of send overseas. And this is just me being sad. Let's be let, let's be happier. 
So look, Australia will get better one day, and hopefully so will South Africa and every country, and we'll all be a better place to live in, hopefully, well, soon. Yeah, I like we'll, that. We'll have leaders who look after the country and who plan for the future. That's what we want. Indeed, we do. All right, let's talk about breeding in space. Is it uh, is it is it possible when ultimately people go and live in space if there is going to be the ability to carry and and carry a child and have a child? Well, we have not tried that. The closest we've done so far is to take an embryo, which is two fertilized cells, so the egg and the sperm get together, and then they make, you know, there's your fertilized egg. That splits into two. We then send that into space and over a period of five days, let it grow to 16 cells. So two into four into eight into 16. And at that stage, it is now ready to implant into the placenta. And we sent a whole bunch of them up into the space and most of them didn't survive, but about 10% did and grew normally. So at least we know that that can happen because you did right. We, I, I think we have to become a space going race and part of that will be living normally in space. We'd, and you're thinking this is impossible because some of the younger people listening to the show will mm-hmm. think that's impossible. But for some of you, when, listen to the kids listening to the show, yeah. when my father was your age, humans had not had controlled flight. And before he died, we got to the moon and back in one human lifetime. Right. We went from not being able to fly to going to the moon and back. And so in the lifetimes of those listening, the world can go through many wonder, many changes, and it's up to us to make sure that there'll be wonderful changes for the common good. You know, as you're saying it, I'm just thinking, I just wish we'd spent so much less time, effort, and money on killing each other and and maybe just spent a little bit more time on innovating and and exploring the and protecting the beautiful wonders that are out there. How cool would that be? The the world is potentially a wonderful place, but even so we can still have poetry and happiness and and music and, and intellectual learning and, and the thrill of learning something and thinking, oh, my God, why does that happen? That is just amazing and being amazed by it. So the world is potentially a good place to be in, uh, even with regard to having babies made in space. We've never actually done it yet, but we're getting closer. And I'm fairly confident that in the lifetimes of some of those listening to us now, we'll be much more of a space-going race. What I really want are fusion engines, nuclear fusion engines. So instead of doing a pathetic 30 kilometers a second, we can do 3,000. And instead of getting to Mars in 270 days, we can do it in two and a half. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping that, for. That would be, uh, that really would be amazing. Before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you, we've seen here in South Africa and Johannesburg over the last couple of days, a, a record-breaking temperatures. And we're definitely seeing mm. this all around the world. What is Australia like this year as, as you've entered the, the summer season as well? Uh, are you expecting to see these, uh, also this type of, uh, this type of phenomenon? Well, the last time we had the El Nino hit, one-fifth of all the trees in Australia burnt. That was in 2019, 2020. Oh, was that when this massive fire took place? Yeah, and when you say massive, it was so big that it turned the clouds in the southern hemisphere from white into brown. It cooled the southern Pacific that we had three La Ninas in a row, 
and so we had the massive flooding. And now we're seeing the climate oscillating from one extreme to the other. So right now there is this just massive storm building up with the clouds looking so black and maybe, I'm not kidding, they're maybe 200 metres off the ground. They're just coming straight over my head and the rain is just looking very dark. And on the other hand, in the other side of the continent, we've already had the first fires. Now, in Australia, we have the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, Mm -hmm. for whom I work, and part of their duty is, in a time of a disaster, to turn into community radio. And so I was doing a show with ABC Metropolitan Perth, and then suddenly they spent 10 minutes being a community radio station. It was things like, in this particular area, and they mentioned an area not far from downtown Perth, Mm -hmm. the fires have come in. If you live in this suburb, there is oh, no way goodness. out. They said this. There is no way out. I'm aware. You have to find the best shelter you can. If you live in this suburb, you can go on this road, but keep on listening because it might get blocked by the flames. Get out while you can. And they went through list after list of it, and they kept on saying, you can't get out, you can't get out, you can't get out. And one person died. And this is not even the beginning of the La Nina. The good news, the good news is that we can stop and reverse global warming uh, with the money that we give as a subsidy to the fossil fuel companies. Believe it or not, out of every dollar that is earned on planet Earth, the fossil fuel companies get seven cents as free money. And if we used half of that, according to the World Bank, to reverse global warming, we could get most of it done within 10 years. Unbelievable. Absolutely fascinating. And many listeners saying, so great to have Dr. Carl back. It really is indeed. Dr. Carl, uh, we chat to him every Wednesday. It is 7.30. I'm Howard Feldman. Good morning.